ought to be our favorite subject to speak about. We spoke about uh, the existence of God, and I tried to demonstrate to you that he's given us ample evidence to believe that he is. And then we spoke about the fact that, that he is of his own doing. Nobody is responsible for his being. He is self-existent. And now tonight, in the remainder of our time, I would like to speak to you about one of the key characteristics or attributes of God, and I hope this one, uh, you're familiar with it, but as we review it, I hope you derive great comfort and encouragement from it. Now, before I announce to you what the specific attribute of God is that we'll discuss, uh, let me describe it to you through the words of Jeremiah. Listen to Jeremiah as found in chapter 32, verse 17. Jeremiah said, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power, and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too difficult for you. If you were to guess at the attribute of God encapsulized in these words of Jeremiah, and it starts with the letter O, which one would it be? That is it. It is the omnipotence of God. Unless we get too theological and too complicated, Jeremiah got it in these words. Nothing is too difficult for you. So don't stumble over the length of the word. Omnipotence simply means God has no limitations. Nothing is too difficult for him. Now to hammer this point home, do you have any idea where Jeremiah was when he exclaimed what he did? Nothing is too difficult for you. Ah, Lord God. He wasn't in a comfortable Bible study. I'll give you a hint. It wasn't in an iConnect class. It wasn't in seminary. And it wasn't at Starbucks. Not at all. Can you guess where he was when he uttered these words? Think of one of the most scary, one of the most unfriendly, one of the most dangerous, one of the coldest, one of the potentially most hopeless environments in which to be in. And what would you call it? It's prison. He was in jail at the time. If anyone had a reason to doubt the omnipotence of God, it would be Jeremiah. He would say, I'm yours, and look where I am. Where are you? Are your arms too short to extend themselves to me behind bars? Maybe you're limited. Maybe you're not all-powerful, as some claim. If anyone would be justified in saying that, it might be Jeremiah. He's in a cold, dark cell. He's living in the most dangerous time. He is witnessing foes from the outside attack Jerusalem. The very walls of this ancient city were crumbling when Jeremiah made this statement. Not only that, this faithful prophet of God had fallen into great disfavor. Public opinion had turned against him to such extent that the king was tired with what he had to say. He spoke the truth of impending judgment. Most in positions of authority don't like to hear it if they're the ones to be judged. And so the king threw him in jail. And so he's opposed by enemies on the inside and on the outside and says, oh God, nothing is too difficult for you. Jeremiah derived great comfort from the omnipotence of God. Let's not make this a stuffy study of doctrine. Folks, this is therapy. 
If you believe in the omnipotence of God, there's nothing that can come your way that is too difficult for God to handle. No bars, no imprisonment, no enemies, no adversary, no hostility. Nothing formed can come against you and have its way without it being permitted by omnipotent, almighty God. I don't know what the Hebrew word for ah is. That's how it is in our English translations. Ah, Lord God. He just seemed to be so comfortable. He seemed to so enjoy the concept of an almighty God. He just, ah, that's not a word, is it? It's a sound. It's an expression of uh, serenity of, and of peace in the midst of, ah, I love that word. Ah, what can mere man, what's a king when I serve the king of kings? So the omnipotence of God is meant to set us free from the throes of fears and all the rest. I hope you take comfort as we develop a little further tonight the concept of the omnipotence of God really meant something. You know what it meant to Jeremiah? Here's a good definition of omnipotence, just two words. God can. So if you get nothing else out of tonight, just go out saying, God can, God can, ah, God can. I'm without employment. My finances are in question. My health is being threatened. There are some domestic problems. My teenagers are being teenagers. I've experienced great rejection from a significant other. The weather is making me feel like the world is coming to an end. This is supposed to be Texas. We're not supposed to need coats and scarves and gloves. And then you go, but ah, God can. Folks, the omnipotence of God is therapy if you believe in it and you ought to because it's tr Here's the deal. Your God is big enough, and now fill in the blank in keeping with your situation. The omnipotence of God is like a blank check. Just complete the sentence. My God is big enough to, and you complete it. My God can, whatever it is. There is nothing. My, oh, I love the word my almost as much as the, the sound ah. My means personal relationship. My God can do anything for his glory and my good, and he does. Jeremiah derived great comfort from this concept. It's a truth. I hope you do as well. It wasn't just Jeremiah. It was David as well. David was so excited about the omnipotence of God. You know what he did? He wrote a song. Here it is. It's Psalm 27, verse 1. I mean, that's an ancient hymn book. It's a song book. Shall I sing it? No. You don't know what you're saying. Uh, fortunately, we don't have the tune to it. We just have the words. You know why? Because God is not as narrow as we are. He's just saying, put it to any musical form you want. Just get the words right. And so, so, so here's the song David wrote. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That is the omnipotence of God. And when you hang on to it and let it get a hold of you, you feel good. That's what the word therapy means. It means to feel good, even in the midst of the storm. Do you have a big problem? 
take your problem and stack it up next to a much bigger God. And you have found the omnipotence of God. He can. Your problem doesn't loom that large when you match it up next to Creator God, Elohim, Almighty God, who has no limitations whatsoever. He can do anything at all. We have to pray to, to Him, don't you think? Instead of worrying, we ought to worry less and pray just, just a tad bit more. Here's, here's what happens when we do. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. He is able to do just barely what we ask Him to do. Oh, no. He's able to do exceeding, abundant, not just abundantly, exceeding. I don't know what an excess of abundance is. These words are almost incomprehensible to us. It's not just enough. It's not just an abundance. It's an exceeding abundance. He's able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or even think. Your capacity to dream about your needs being met is exceeded. Even your dream-like life, is ex- even your fantasy life, is exceeded by God's ability to deliver the goods. We ought to pray to him more and worry a whole lot less. God is omnipotent. God can. He can do absolutely anything. Well, or can he? Let's take a vote because we're Americans and we can vote. How many people here think God can do everything? Would you raise your hands? Let's just see. All right. We got you counted. Thank you. How many people here think that's not true? There are some limitations on God's omnipotence and he cannot do everything. Would you raise your hands? There you go. Sheepish though you are. You're actually correct. So once again, the majority is wrong. So let me help you out a little bit. Uh, Turn to your neighbor and see if you can come up with a few things that God cannot do. See if you can name, identify a few things that God really is is, is not able to do. Have a little time just sharing with uh, your friend or even with the empty seat next to you. That'll be fine too. Is there anything God cannot do? What is it? All right, great. Doug, um, it isn't an interaction time, so thank you for raising your hand, but, but this is a monologue. Okay, uh, here are some things I think God cannot do. One... He cannot do what is contrary to his character. You and I do all the time. It's called a lack of integrity. It means a disharmony in our parts. It means we're inconsistent. It means sometimes we don't do what we say. But that's not possible with God. He cannot do anything inconsistent with who he is. He can't do anything that is not in harmony with every other aspect of his character. So for instance, can God lie? He cannot. How about you? Oh, come on. Without even trying. God cannot, it's contrary to his character to lie. That's what it says in Numbers 23, 19. God is, in case you're confused about this, not man. 
that he should lie. You see? He can't lie. Here's something else he can't do. He cannot break his promise. Can you? Oh, left and right. He cannot break his promise. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For as many as may be the promises of God, in him they are yes. Not maybe. Yes. He cannot break his word. He cannot be unfaithful. Can you be unfaithful? Oh, give me a break. We're experts. He cannot be unfaithful. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 13 If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Why? For he cannot deny himself. Folks, we can deny our vows. Happens all the time, even amongst Christians. The marital vows are pronounced and then we break them. God doesn't do that. (laughs) It's contrary to his character. He cannot exhaust his power. Can you get tired? Oh, come on. You run out of gas, you run out of money, you run out of everything. You run out of patience. It's not possible with God. You know, you never have to, you never, you have to say, God, I know you're busy. I know it's been a long day for you. I know your mind is occupied in the Middle East. I don't know how you're going to work that out. No. No need to sleep. He never slumbers. He's a God of inexhaustible resources. He can never, ever exhaust his power. He cannot share his glory with another. Did you know that? He says that in Isaiah, I will not give my glory to another. He cannot do that. He cannot change. Can you change? I hope we're changing. I hope we are. Every day, I hope we're growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he cannot change. Why? He's perfect. I mentioned last week, change requires time. He exists outside of time. He created time, but is not subjected to it. Therefore, he cannot change. How about this? Can God die? Only the enfleshed God. Oh, thank God for the inexpressible gift and sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ as a result of which we have eternal life. But... God cannot, why can't he die? Because he's eternal, that's why. So he cannot do anything contrary to his character. Secondly, he cannot do what is irrational or illogical. Can't do it. We can. We can, we can just say illogical and unreasonable and nonsensical and irrational things all the time. But the God of order cannot do anything irrational or nonsensical. So, I know you've been laboring over this for quite some time, but don't worry. You'll get peace tonight because I know you're wondering about this question. Can God make a four-sided triangle? I know that has caused you many sleepless nights. It's an important one. To resolve. We'll do it tonight. Can God make a four-sided triangle? Well, the answer is no. You know why? Because a four-sided triangle would not be a triangle. Therefore, a four-sided triangle is illogical and irrational, and God is not illogical or irrational. So it's a, what's the fancy word I'm looking for? Stupid question. How about this one? You've heard about this. It's quite popular. And very intelligent people think they have stumped God with this one. 
It's a classic question about the omnipotence of God. It's this. Can God create a stone that is too heavy for him to lift? Have you heard that one? Theologians have written about this and argued over it over the centuries. Unbelievable. They need a hobby. You know, it's kind of a trick question. It's a trick question to nullify the omnipotence of God. Here's how it goes. See if you can track this thinking. Here's the deal. If God can create a stone that is too heavy for him to lift, that means there is something God cannot do. And if there is something God cannot do, then he is not omnipotent. Then here's the other side of it. On the other hand, if God cannot create a stone too heavy for him to lift, that too is something he cannot do, and so his omnipotence is nullified once again. So the philosophers and others who are just too smart for their own good think they have stumped Almighty God. Well, how do you respond to a question like that? Folks, you can't because the question itself is self-contradictory and illogical. Here's, here's what I mean. On the face of it, it looks like a, quite a legitimate and intelligent question, but it actually is describing nonsense, and God is not subject to nonsense. You see, it suggests, the question suggests the idea of a stone that's too heavy to be lifted by God, who, by definition, can lift all stones. So the question bears with it a self-contradiction. The question, you see, suggests that God, the creator, can in fact create something that is as non-existent and illogical as a four-sided triangle. A stone too heavy for the creator to lift is as illogical as a four-sided triangle. It doesn't exist. It's an irrational and illogical category because the creator can do anything. It's like asking God to make a square circle. Can God make a square circle? No. Self-contradictory. Because if a circle is a square, it's no longer a, a circle. So there is no such thing as a square circle. There is no such thing as a four-sided triangle. And there is no such thing as a rock. So heavy <clears throat> that omnipotent God cannot lift it. So, folks, the correct understanding of the omnipotence of God is simply this. He has the ability to do whatever he pleases to do. And he has the ability to do whatever is not <coughs> inconsistent with his character and his will. He simply doesn't do inconsistent things. Here's a, here's a simple and wonderful statement about the omnipotence of God. Psalm 115, verse 3. <coughs> Psalm 115, verse 3. But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. There is the omnipotence of God. He does whatever he pleases. Do you do whatever you please? No. You see, we humans, some of us are in high positions of authority. But that you have authority doesn't mean you have unobstructed ability. You can't do whatever you please. You may have all kinds of good and kindly intentions with reference to those around you whom you love and not one ounce of capacity to bring into existence the outcome you want. You want very much to get that wayward kid in sync with Almighty God and you're not able to do it. You're in a position of parental authority. 
And your will is that things would go well with this teenager. <laughs> but you don't have the ability to see your will and your desire come to fruition. Why? You're not omnipotent. You have a little power. You're a parent. You can do a few things, but you're not omni-powerful. All-powerful. But here's the deal with God. It's not just that he has authority. What he wills to do is equally matched up with his power to do it. So there's never a time when God says, Oh, I really had a desire for that to happen, but I couldn't get it done because my power is limited. Oh, no. He's the only one of whom it could be said what he wills to do shall be done. Why? Because nobody and nothing can limit the omnipotence of God. Why? Because nobody is non-created. Everybody is created. By whom? The creator. So if you owe your very existence to the creator, how could you mess up his plans? He can do anything he wills to do because he's omnipotent and you cannot get in the way. He alone is all-powerful. But what about um, Satan? What about Satan? Some of us mistakenly think the world situation can be explained by two foes who are equally matched. There is the Savior and there is Satan. And they're in this cosmic arm wrestling contest. And it's like two out of three. And every once in a while, Satan wins the first one. And I know ultimately Jesus will win the next two. I'm so glad it's two out of three. No, 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 no. That would be a misunderstanding of Satan's power. Could I tell you he does not have inherent power. His power is derived from omnipowerful God. I prove it to you. Job chapter 1 verse 12. Job chapter 1 verse 12. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has all that Job has is in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. Satan does not have inherent power. Don't make him God's equal. There's only one omnipotent source of power, and that is created God, and even Satan's power is derived and permitted by God. Now, I realize that leads to all kinds of questions we cannot answer tonight. Why would God empower Satan? Stick around. We'll talk about the problem of evil in the world in one of these upcoming Wednesday nights for now. Just get this. We're not talking about equal partners in running the universe. We're talking about one omnipotent creator. Not even Satan has power on his own. Have you heard of a guy named Martin Luther? Pretty good guy. One of the reformers. You know what he said? The devil is God's devil because he serves God's purposes. He's a created being. Satan is a created being, a fallen one. And even his dastardly and evil deeds can be used by almighty good for the good. By, by almighty God for the good. There's only one omnipotent God. No power on earth can keep God from doing what he purposes to do. Evil men cannot do it. Natural hurricanes cannot do it. Natural catastrophe can't interfere with God's plans and purposes. Fate cannot do it. Blind luck and chance. <laughs> they don't rule. 
lottery players? <laughs> no. Human error and sin cannot interfere with God's plan, and Satan cannot either. This is what the omnipotence of God means. I hope you're comforted. It's so hard today for us Christians to keep the joy because we read the news, and it's pretty much all bad. In fact, I think how journalists now are making their living is to find the most scary, um, depressing, catastrophic story and call it news. So it's very, very discouraging on every front, you know, and we just read things and we feel like we're being backed in a corner and, oh, ah, Lord God, who reigns, you know that song, our, our, sing with me, our God reigns, just sing that, our God reigns, that's enough. That's it. That's the theology of the day. Our God reigns. It's no political party. It's, it's not radical Islam. By the way, all Islam is. I don't even know why we use the term radical. I mean, uh, read the Quran and you'll see about that. I mean, it's not terrorists. It's not what's going on. I mean, nobody calls the shots over and above God. Nobody has veto power with reference to the plans and purposes of God and folks. Don't feel like the church is being squeezed into a corner. Good night. Not even the gates of hell can prevail against the church of Almighty God. It isn't because we're so hot. We're not. We're a bunch of earthlings, weak and frail and all the rest. But we're being held by the head of the church, Almighty God. And that's why there will be victory in Jesus, because Jesus is the omnipotent God in the world. Circumstances as bad as they look, don't call the shots. Don't let today steal your joy. You know what's really good? I'm a child of an omnipotent father. You know how kids get together. My dad does this. My dad does that. You know what I mean? My dad made your dad. (laughs) Don't talk to me about your dad's biceps. Good night. Our Father reigns and rules. Psalm 2, he laughs at the kingdoms of the world who seek to compete with the authority of Almighty God. So if you were asked, oh, you Christians talking about Almighty God, prove it. Prove that he is omnipotent. What would you say? Let me just very briefly Mention a few responses. Here's one. God shows his power in creation. Folks, he spoke and it was. Let there be. And it was. The power of God is revealed in creation. God shows his power, secondly, in holding together what he has created. Folks, we would spin into sheer and utter obliteration but for the holding and sustaining providential care of Almighty God. Thirdly, God shows his power in the way he governs the world. Nothing happens by chance. God orchestrates it all. He works all things after the counsel of his will. Whatever comes to the pass, comes, comes to pass, comes to pass by the hand of God so that history, as has been said, is truly his story. Nobody's vote ultimately determines who rules and reigns. God 
God determines who rules and reigns. Fourthly, God shows his power and his mighty judgments. You see this all through the Bible. The flood in Noah's day. Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot's wife being turned into a pillar of salt and all the rest. The holy and righteous judgments of God. And then fifthly, how does God show his power? In saving sinners like you and me. You ever wonder how you got saved? I think about it every once in a while because I don't know how it happened. Oh, I understand what Jesus did. And I know the greatest story ever told, but I still don't get it. Why me out of the crowd? I hang out with a bunch of people who didn't get reborn. Why? So that's the mystery I'm trying to, trying to tell you. When I heard the greatest story ever told, I don't know why it clicked, why at that moment it made sense. I don't know why I was persuaded I was a sinner and needed a sin. I don't know why. I didn't do a study on comparative religions. I didn't ask questions like, can God make a rock too big for to pick? I mean, I, when the guy told me the greatest story ever told, his name was Mark, was in the military, I just said, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I don't know why, I don't know. I think God granted me repentance. What a miracle. To t you know, we're dead in our sins and transgressions. I didn't, I didn't know if you know that. You know what a dead person can do on his or her own behalf? Nada. Zero. Zilch. How do you get a spiritually dead person to be born again? It's as miraculous as biological birth. How does... How does how does God overcome our nature to be on the run from Him, to live an autonomous life, to do our own thing, to want to be the master of our own destiny, to sin and boast about it and encourage others to do the same? How does all this change? So now that we have a sanctified shame uh, uh, about the sin we do, and then now we turn to God and from it. How does all this happen that we pray to an unseen God, that we hang out with Christians with whom we have really nothing in common except Christ Jesus? I mean, let's face it. We don't. How does all this happen that we give? <laughs> we are consumers, my fellow Americans. We are takers. We are keepers for a rainy day. And we're moved to give with joy. How does all this happen? An omnipotent God has revealed his power. Listen, this is just not me. Peter. The Apostle Peter says it's so much better. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. Let me read this to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again. Mm. You did not get saved by walking an aisle. You got saved by the Savior. He caused us to be born again by his great mercy to a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. <gasps> That's not an easy thing to do. Raise someone from the... You must be more powerful than death to raise someone from the dead. He did. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. No inflation can affect salvation it's imperishable it's incorruptible and it is reserved in heaven for you oh my goodness I have my place and so do you no one's moving in no squatters rights in heaven reserved in heaven for you it says who are 
Then it goes on. Protected, now get this, who are protected by the power of God. How can you lose your salvation when the Savior is omnipotent? Are you strong enough to shake the hound of heaven? Are you strong enough to elude his loving grasp on you? You're in the Father's hands. How are you getting away? How can you lose your salvation when your salvation is dependent on the omnipotence of the Savior? Are you more powerful than his will to save? You ain't. Protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. How is the omnipotence of God revealed? You, a saved sinner, on your way home to a place reserved for you in heaven, kept by the power of God. You're a kept man if you're saved, and you're a kept woman if you're saved. Keep us, Lord Jesus. Ah, Lord God, keep us until the time of your return and then keep us some more. Keep us forevermore in your grasp. Now folks, the omnipotence of God ought to therefore be a great comfort to those of you who know Christ Jesus as personal Savior, but I must tell you this. The omnipotence of God can be no comfort for those of you who here are apart from Christ. In fact, you have to let the omnipotence of God, I hope, not comfort you, but rather be a warning to you. Here's the warning. Apart from Christ, you cannot resist his judgment. What happened in Sodom and Gomorrah and at the flood way back in Genesis and to Lot's wife and all the rest pales in comparison to the judgment yes, yet to come again Peter says, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, but the present heavens and earth by his word are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Do you want to be kept safe and secure by the omnipotence of God? Or in rejecting his son as your personal savior, do you want to be kept for the judgment of omnipotent God? I tell you something, his judgment is nothing to take lightly. You cannot grapple with his judgment because he is omnipotent. So I beseech you, even as we have this somewhat academic discussion, make an application from it. Almighty God, what can I do in your presence but to confess I'm not you and I've not lived your ways. I've sinned. Almighty God, I don't know how you do it, but somehow, somehow, find your way into my puny life. Take up your abode in me. I don't know how you do it, but you're omnipotent and can. Come into my life. Lord Jesus, forgive my sins. Change me in the power which is yours from the inside out. Make me to be this at-rest, joy-filled Christian who lives the kind of life you want me to live until I enter into a heavenly home reserved for me for the last days. I beseech you, don't leave tonight without saying, Ah, oh, omnipotent God made visible and real having come near through the enfleshed Lord Jesus, 
I could relate to him, son of man. He was here. Come into my life, Lord Jesus, and make me different. Do the miracle in me you have done for so many of these others here. Save me, a sinner. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for desiring to use your power on our behalf rather than against us. What hope would we have if you were cruel and you let loose your unbridled power against us? Thank you so much. Instead, you used it to be raised from the dead, the first fruits of life from the dead, enabling us who believe on you to follow all because of your omnipotence, all because of your mercy and grace. In your power, only you could do this, even tonight, Lord Jesus. Would you perform the miracle of conversion of a sinful soul, even tonight? This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.